The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Today's Gospel reading is about three hearts, two wounded and one resurrected. The first wounded heart is of the ten apostles. Ten. Twelve minus Judas minus Thomas. Since Jesus' crucifixion, fear crushed them. With such a grip, there wasn't really anything left. In fact, Martin Luther preached that since Jesus died and their fear gripped them so much, they no longer had a heart in their bodies. Now, of course, they had an organ that beat it. But love, joy, and peace no longer flowed through it. Rather, fear, subjugation, and misery flowed through their hearts. They didn't want what happened to Jesus to happen to them. For them, death was the worst. 
Now, the second wounded heart is Thomas's, and his heart was different. Thomas entered the story after the resurrected Jesus appeared to the apostles. Thomas wasn't with the others because he seemingly wasn't given in to fear. Already in John chapter 11, Thomas announces to all of us that he is willing to die with Jesus when Jesus returns to Judea to raise Lazarus from the dead. Apparently there was still a remnant of courage and eagerness inside of Thomas. However, pain and anger were taking over, making his heart hard, rigid, and obstinate. See, Thomas protected his wounded heart, not by locking the doors, but by making his heart as solid as stone. His wounds hurt too much, and he wasn't going to take a chance of the other apostles being wrong about Jesus rising from the dead. The only way he would believe is if he could touch Jesus. Now the last heart is Jesus's. A week earlier, Jesus's heart was like Thomas's and the other apostles. It was broken, it was betrayed, it was beaten, it was crucified. But now that dead heart is a resurrected heart. And even though Jesus' heart is resurrected, like his hands and his feet, it still bears the marks. Jesus' resurrected wounds work with a different sort of logic now, where we try to keep things out of our wounds in order for them to heal. Jesus welcomes Thomas into his wounds, literally. Thomas is healed inside Jesus' wounds. The 17th century Lutheran poet, Katharina Regina von Greifenberg, calls Jesus' wounds graves. They're graves for sin, death, fear, and shame. Jesus' wounds are deeper than our wounds, which means there is something underneath our sin, shame, and pain. And once Thomas enters into Jesus' side, he's welcomed into a deeper story, a deeper story of Jesus' resurrection, God's will for life and salvation. By entering into Jesus' side, Thomas is entering into the source of mercy, Jesus' resurrected heart. Now, the Hebrew word for mercy is rachamim, which means womb. It's a beautiful image. It's the image of a mother who instinctively wraps up her children in her arms to love and protect them. Thomas is wrapped up in Jesus' mercy 
when he's wrapped up inside of Jesus's side. But inside that womb, though, Thomas is also given something. The Latin word for mercy is misericorde, which means a heart that gives itself to those in misery. Thomas is in misery right now. His hard, rigid heart needs to be replaced. It needs to be exchanged with the gift of the resurrected heart of Jesus. Now, the only way, though, that Thomas will receive the resurrected heart of Jesus is by entering back into a womb. And the idea of seemingly more pain might be too much for Thomas. But Thomas must acknowledge he is one big, gaping, bleeding need of mercy. And he must trust Jesus to give it. Christ's mercy welcomes Thomas by wrapping him in the loving presence of Jesus and giving him the resurrected heart of Christ. When Jesus shows up through the closed door of Thomas's heart, you must remember he didn't break down the door. He didn't scold Thomas. But he simply invited Thomas to trust his wounds, to trust his wounds have healing power. Jesus entices Thomas to believe the gift of his resurrected heart, the heart that still bears the pierce, will restore Thomas to the man he is meant to be, a disciple of Christ who lives life defined by peace and gladness, defined by the peace and joy of the resurrection. Greifenberg also writes on her meditation of the crucifixion, she writes this, not until I was in his side, in, in his most loving heart, would I have drunk myself completely to death. Greifenberg desires to experience the streams of mercy that flow from the heart of Christ. She desires those streams of mercy in order to die to her old self and be resurrected into her new life. Where does she experience the streams of mercy in the blood of Christ? But in the Lord's Supper. In the Lord's Supper, your broken heart is joined to Jesus' resurrected heart. Jesus enters you like he entered into the upper room. He doesn't enter by breaking down a door or scolding you. He comes to give you peace and gladness. When Jesus gives, he only gives according to what he has and never less. When Jesus gives you mercy through the Holy Eucharist, he gives in the way of resurrection, which is a different sort of logic. He gives in the way of superabundance, 
He doesn't give according to our needs, our needs for peace and healing. That is a good thing, because Jesus will always give more than what we need in order to keep experiencing life as God meant it. In a sermon on this text, Martin Luther wondered what Christ's wounds actually look like. And he said he didn't really know. But whatever they looked like, they were comforting. In fact, he encourages people to look at the crucifix with the eyes of faith, like Thomas did at the end of the Gospel reading when he cried out, My Lord, my God. When you gaze upon the heart of Christ through his wounds, your heart will be changed and you will confess Jesus as Lord and God. By entering the wounds of Christ, you will receive forgiveness, peace, and joy. So this Easter season, see the healing power in Christ's wounds and join your wounds to his and then plunge deeper into them so that you would come out on the other side risen and ready to experience a new life of peace and joy. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.